This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, August 27, 2019. And it's been a lot of news following that. A lot of news last a couple of days. And, you know, the market's up and down as it has been for, what, well over a month. Maybe moving on to two months here. And I don't think it's going to end soon. So don't think it's just going to go away next week or even maybe not next month either. I think we're just going to have this kind of movement, this kind of tug of war. And I do think... and. Uh, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I do think we're we're still in the midst of our correction. I don't think we're done yet. We could be, but I don't think so. It's only been about six, seven percent at the most at its worst, and I just think that we could get down to ten percent easily before we see a bottom. I do think we're going to have a bottom, and I think it's going to set up a great buying opportunity. But I just don't think it's yet. So don't get too don't get too depressed and don't get too excited. Anyways. I'm Steve Peasel, and I thank you for joining me today, and I hope you'll call as well, because this is a call-in show, and your investing questions drive us to wherever direction you want to go, and that's what I'm here for, for to answer any financial questions you might have. And if I don't know the answer, I will say I don't know the answer. I don't have a problem with that, but I got lots of software in front of me to help me. So... You know, and it's always toward the same goal, which I mention almost every day, and that's financial freedom. And that, and I have as I said many times, that means something only to you. You have to, des- to describe and des- define your own financial freedom. I can't define it for you. If it means my financial freedom means having five million dollars, then that's what it is. If your financial freedom means uh, I don't need more than a few hundred thousand dollars, and and, and I, I can live on very little a month, you know, I'll be a minimalist. Okay, that's what financial freedom means to you. It means something for everybody, something different for somebody. And so today, in this hour, I want to help you get there, no matter how big or small your goal is and what, it, what that definition of financial freedom is. And to do that, you have to call and ask your questions. And my number is 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. And I want you to know my uh, my no-cost portfolio review consultations for Thursday in San Jose. Remember, August 29th in San Jose. I have a cancellation, so I have one slot open in the morning. First thing in the morning, 9 o'clock, I think it is. So if you want to meet with me, then you can. But you got to get in. It's not, you know, what do we got? Two days? Today, the rest of the day, not even two days. So, um, that, that slot is open if you want it. So, first come, first serve, of course. And, of course, uh, you, oh, how you do that, by the way, reserve, you, go to, uh, you can go to investtalk.com and register there. Send me an email, say you want it, we'll get in touch. And now you also know on October 10th, I'll be in San Jose again. And I'll be in on uh, November 7th in New York, New York City, November 7th. Uh, because my other New York date is full. So I'm there two days. Um, and I'll be there, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm amazed that it filled up so fast, so I apologize for that. So um, we'll make up for it. I'll go there more often, and then, you know, we'll, we'll meet with more people. 
So uh, it's all about portfolio uh, portfolio reviews. Everybody, what do you have? What do you need? Is it meeting your needs? Do we do do we KPP Financial have any services that you could use? If not, that's fine. Um, but you need to register if you want to meet with me. My main talking point today concerns this particular headline. Wells Fargo analysts do not see a holly jolly holiday shopping season for retailers, which is very interesting because it's almost diametrically opposed to most of the retailers who said that they see as a pretty good holiday season coming up. So why is Wells Fargo analysts saying it's not? That's what we're going to talk about. They're thinking the fourth quarter of retail sales is not going to be that great. So we'll, we'll see. We'll go over why they think it. I also got other things um, that I want to talk about. How about the top paying jobs by degree? In other words, go get a degree and what are the top 10 jobs? I got the top five. And how about the bottom five? Did you see the Case Shiller 20 City Price Index report that came out today? Well, if you didn't, that's okay, because we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to go over three three Social Security myths, things that people believe about Social Security that are not true. See, three Social Security myths. So I want to make sure I get to that, because I think that I think it's very illuminating is what those are. And those are going to be the main talking points. But again, as I said, you drive you drive the direction of the show, depending on what you want to talk about. So, get, get on the phone. Love to talk to you. What the market do today? The Dow was down 120. The Nasdaq down 27. The S&P down 9. The market was up most of the day. Well, at least over half of the day. Um, and then it just started to weaken and got a little bit weaker and a little bit weaker. So, oh well. Anyways, oh, and a programming note. Justin Klein will uh, host Invest Talk on Thursday. I'll be up in San Jose that day. And he will have a special guest, a real estate expert, Chevy Atkinson. So get your real estate investment questions prepared. That'll be on Thursday. So, again, the market was down. It was up in the morning, fell down two down days in a row. So we'll see how uh, the rest of this week go. Okay, 888-99-CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. Let's go ahead and start with a phone call. Al in Virginia. How you doing, Al? You want to talk about book value. How is it going? I do. Thank you, Steve. Trying to get my arms around uh, book value. So I know that when a company goes bankrupt, the bondholders, you know, get their money first, and then any other debt is paid and then uh, if, they, if there's any Class A uh, type shares, they get paid. So question is, is when you look at book value, is that the amount that the common shareholder would get? Or is there, is there some measure of that? So just, just curious yes. what that is. And also, uh, are you planning on coming to Northern Virginia? Northern Virginia. You know, we're looking into other parts of the country I should visit. Um, I, I don't have anything on schedule. And, you know, I've, you know I'm, I'm at an age where I really don't want to travel too much. <laughs> but uh, it's possible. I'll have to look because 
I, I just have to see if it'll be worth it, you know, for me to go ahead and go, maybe go to New York and then go to, you know, Virginia or someplace else or Chicago on the way back and make it, you know, two or three day trip. And that way, you know, meet as many people as I can. I'll look into it, Al. Appreciate the call, but let's talk about book value a second. Book value means, Al, that if you liquefy, liquid, liquid, you liquidated every asset that the company has and you paid off all its liabilities, how much money would you have left over? So book value is, let's say, one, one, the number one. 1.00. That means you have just as many assets as you have liabilities. So you would, you as a common shareholder, would get zero from that in a bankruptcy because they just were, you know, they liquidated all the assets and they paid off all their debt. Actually, I might, might be wrong. Uh, hold on, hold on. Am I thinking wrong? Book value 0.55. Actually, if you a book value of one means you would get paid 100% of whatever the stock price was at the time. That's what it should mean. And anything below one means that you're gonna the company will is worth a lot more that the share prices should be a lot higher because it's selling for under book value. Uh, Benjamin Graham, uh, you know, the the father of value investing, said that, you know, he never wanted to buy a stock that was above book value, so there was no uh, risk in owning the company because if they went bankrupt, they'd get all his investment money back. So, but this day and age, it's very hard to find something at book value. It's usually two or three times or higher than book value. And the reason being difference is because in his day, in the 1930s and 40s, we were a lot more of a manufacturing com- uh, country and the assets were hard assets. They were buildings and land and stuff. Now there's a lot of intellectual assets and those are valued at higher multiples. So that's why. I appreciate the call. Thank you. This is Invest Talk. John from Santa Cruz wants to talk about gold and silver. So, John, hang on. I'd be happy to talk about that right after the break. I'm Steve Peasley. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you've heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. How much risk you want to take? How much are you comfortable with? What is that number? How do I know what it is? Well, we have a little tool called Riskalyze on our website, and you can answer the questions and it will score your risk tolerance from 0 to 100 and by the way 80 is the S&P 500 risk so you know it's a good little tool to determine how much risk you're willing to take and then you can compare your portfolio to it up next give me a call answer any of your questions 888-99-CHART This is Invest Talk, and in just two days, this Thursday, Justin will be welcoming a returning guest expert to talk about real estate. His name is Chevy Ackerson, and Chevy is a leading real estate professional. And now Steve Peasley is here taking your calls and questions live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to John in Santa Cruz, and we're going to talk about gold and silver. How are you doing, John? Good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Thank you. Well, I have about 10% of my portfolio is in gold and and gold stocks, gold and silver stocks. And 
I'm okay. thinking of upping it, but it's gone up so much lately that um, I don't know. It concerns me. Uh, I don't know if it's parabolic or it's just starting to go up. Um, okay, well, let's talk about why it's going adding? up. Okay, I, I actually Sorry? think you could add. I think you could add to your portfolio if you have 10% um, in that gold and silver sector. I would go up as high as 15. I really would. This is why. Uh, yes, you're right. It's moved up. It's done very, very well. And it might pull back. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. It did. I would not be surprised. However, you know, we talked about it, and I know you know, John, that gold goes up on fear, inflation, and a weakened dollar. Well, we have a strong dollar, and we have no inflation, and gold has really done very well because of fear, the fear. Now, what happens if we do, the dollar weakens a little bit? What happens if inflation picks up a little bit? You know, two of those three, any one of those will help boost gold. So, there's only one reason gold is moving up, and that is because of fear. But I'm thinking that it, it there's it's possible that we can maybe not get inflation, but maybe we'll get a weaker dollar. I could see that happening, you know, down the road, or at least the perception that that's going to happen, and that will drive gold even higher. So, you know, you might want to pick it up on on weakness, because I don't think any time in the short term that it's going to collapse or anything like that. I think it's got some more room to grow. We still own it in several, a couple of our managed accounts, um, gold and silver mining. I still like it. Thanks, John. Appreciate the call. This is Invest Talk, everybody. And KPP Financial, we want to help you reach your goal of financial freedom as we talk about it every day. So feel free to contact me or Justin about about our KPP Financial uh, in, uh, portfolio reviews. We do them in Irvine, California, all the time. And of course, you know, I'll be in San Jose and New York here up shortly. So I'm taking your questions now. Any financial question is fine. My number is 888-99-CHART. This is Talk. Summer is moving fast, and your path to financial freedom begins with the right strategy. You've got questions. Steve and Justin have answers. Call now. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's take a quick look at some of the benchmark numbers. Well, the inversion happened again. The two-year Treasury yield is higher than the 10-year Treasury. The two-year is 1.52%. The 10-year is 1.48%. And you know that has always been a precursor to a recession. We just don't know how soon it will come. The 30-year yield is 1.96%, 30-year Treasury yield. Oil at $54 a barrel, Bitcoin at 10166 Gold was at $1,541 an ounce. Gold remains at a multi-year high. I think it's six years now. Some experts believe gold is in its early days of its up cycle. So, John, that's what some of the experts are saying. And if you want to get into gold, how would you make that investment? Gold mining shares, ETFs, you know, which are essentially a basket of gold shares, or gold, actual physical gold, like gold coins. What would be the best? Now, for me, you know, I'm, I like gold coins, but 
extremely expensive to buy and to sell because they had to pay commissions on both ends. I don't like that. Pretty heavy commissions. I like the gold miners, personally speaking. So the consumer measurement still shows a very strong number. The consumer sentiment number measurement. The consumer sentiment measure. Okay, um, I think that sentiment number is at like, uh, actually, it's a confidence one, consumer confidence. 135, uh, it was a, and that was in August, so it's 137 in July. I'm sorry, 135.7 in July, and now it's 135.1. So it went, went down a little bit, but not down as much as they expected. Probably because the consumer's working, full, you know, getting, he's paid, he's got a job, and there's plenty of jobs out there still. And I'm sure you saw Johnson Johnson, uh, yesterday judge in Oklahoma ordered the company to pay the state $572 million for its role in the opioid crisis. And, you know, other companies who make uh, painkillers also paid money, but they settled before the judge came out with his verdict. Mind you, they wanted, uh, the state of Oklahoma wanted billions of dollars, billions. But it was the first state that the trial actually happened and, it, you know, held, held the pharmaceutical companies accountable. And Johnson Johnson is going to appeal this, of course. They're not just going to let it happen. They're going to appeal it. There's, because there's like 2,000 additional lawsuits out there pending somewhere. And, you know, they're going to fight this t- you know, tooth and nail. Got to remember, Johnson Johnson says their, their defense is, hey, we, are, we, we produce you know, painkillers, but it's described by doctors, we, FDA. We have to have FDA approval. We have, you know, all kinds of governmental oversight. And, you know, here, here you are blaming us. This is their excuse, right? This is what they're saying is. Here you are blaming us for people getting dr- hooked on this stuff. Well, you know, that's what they're saying. Okay. And, of course, hey, the state of Oklahoma says, yeah, you're responsible. So, it's going to be an interesting play. You know, it kind of reminds me of the tobacco litigation where they blame the tobacco companies for cancer. Of course, tobacco companies made cigarettes and all that stuff. And you know, at some point, the tobacco company said, oh, smoking is good for you. Remember all back way back when? And then in the 1960s, they had to put a warning on the label. But before that, man, they were all, you know, hey, it's you know flavorful and calms you down. It's good for you. Yeah. Uh, but I think it might be a different issue here with the opioid thing, you know, because these are painkillers that they're that they're making and selling to pharmacies and doctors. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it to know. I'd have to see all the facts. Anyways, that's what's going on in that area of the world. Let's grab another caller from 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name's Lori. I'm calling from the Chicagoland area. I'm calling uh, to get your take on Enphase, E-N-P-H, we got in twice when the stock was at 9 and $13, and it's gone up considerably since then over the past eight months or so, and just wondering when would be a good time to get back in and buy uh, more shares. Thank you. Did she say she bought it twice already at 13 and in the 20s? Well, 
what you want to buy more okay you don't want to buy more than a certain no more than five percent of your portfolio and if it's it's now at 33 dollars and five cents a share and this is m phase energy enph designs develops and sells home energy solutions for the solar photo photo photovoltaic voltric industry um it's going to make 79 cents this year after making 10 cents last year and next year it's going to make 95 cents and because of that, it's done very, very well. Sales are growing very fast for the company. Uh, but it's not cheap. I, you know, Normally, my, my response would be, no, you need to take some profits off the table. And maybe followed up with a tight stop like a trend line. And if it breaks below the trend line, maybe you know, sell back. Can ride it while it's, the riding's good, but I, I you know, I, I, when stocks run up, up, and up, and up, and up, this and this has gone from like four dollars to thirty-three dollars in a year. Then you know, at some point, it's going to turn down and give back some of that. So I would not, I would not chase it to buy more. And congratulations on making a great profit. The yield curve inversion is a situation we've been talking about for quite a while. The ten-year Treasury yield today is at about one point five two. As we go to break, here's my financial trivia question for today. Looking back across decades, when was the 10-year yield at its highest average? And what was that average yield? This is the best talk. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. This is Invest Talk, and August is moving fast. In two days, Steve Peasley will be meeting with listeners in San Jose to show them how they could improve the performance of their portfolios. Steve's personalized consultations are offered at no cost. And due to strong demand, Steve will be returning to San Jose October 10th and New York City on November 7th. The phone lines are open and Steve and Justin invite your questions now. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I asked this market trivia question. Looking back across the decades, when was the 10-year yield, 10-year treasury yield at its highest average? And what was that average yield? Now, here's my answer. Ten, the 10-year treasury is the benchmark used to determine mortgage rates across the United States and is the most liquid and widely traded bond in the world. I will tell you that year that the year with the highest yield, but first, I want to take a look at the historical average. Let's talk about on a 10-year, uh, the 10-year treasury. In 1963, the 10-year treasury was paying 4%. In 1973, 10 years later, it was 6.5, 6.8. 
10 years later, 1983, 11.1%. 1993, 5.8%. And 2003, it was 4.0. So the highest year that of all those years was in 1981. The 10-year Treasury hit the highest average level ever at 13.92%. Wouldn't that be nice? To go out there and you buy a 10-year Treasury for 13.92%. Now, I remember, I remember this period. Do you realize people did not want it? That's why it was paying so high. They didn't want it. They didn't want it. They had to, you know, you to sell the 10-year treasury had to be that high for the government to sell that bond because there was a lots of inflation and everybody was worried about inflation getting out of control. And if you bought the 10-year, it was still going to, Pay, you actually were going to get less because inflation would have ate up all the returns. And why would you buy the best in that kind of thing? People were afraid of it. They were afraid to invest in the tenure treasury. Now, my main, t- my main talking point today is about Wells Fargo saying that they think the holiday shopping season is not going to be very good for retailers. It says retailers are in for a weaker than expected holiday shopping season, according to them. They believe that the holiday setup this year is actually quite bearish, and thus we continue to view the space through a more cautious lens, says Wells Fargo senior analyst Borchow, Borchow, whatever that name is. This is their reason. They think because they're going to have a warmer winter season. How do they know that? They're now weathers. They can read the weather. How do they know that? I'm just curious how they know that. They say that there's going to be a warmer weather season, winter season, a shorter holiday, a shorter holiday calendar. So in other words, they're looking at what what days the holidays fall on, the Christmas and New Year's, and will it be a shorter days than maybe lose one of the shopping days? Less tourism. Spending and higher inventory levels could all weigh on retailers' fourth quarter sales. So, they think there's going to be less tourism. So, sales from that area is going to be low. You know what? And what's interesting here is this is despite, this is despite major, all the major, uh, 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 major retailers' optimism about the season. They feel positive about the fourth quarter. But Wells Fargo, the analyst of Wells Fargo, said eh, that doesn't mean much because of this. And you know what? To me, both parties, nothing but a guess. I don't know. We don't know. We No one knows. Get decent. As long as employ, people are employed, they're going to spend. As long as they're happy and they're content, they'll spend money. So along, I want to keep an eye, keep an eye out on the weekly unemployment claims and then the monthly monthly unemployment rate. And see if uh, the you know uh, jobs are going to start weakening. We have more jobs available than we have workers to fill them. The problem is is the mismatch. We don't have the same skills of the jobs available. So, anyways, that's uh, that's a pretty interesting take by Wells Fargo because it's kind of opposed to what the retailers themselves are saying. Interesting. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. So while those people are shopping, the top paying jobs, the degrees that you need for the top paying jobs, top five, 
Marine engineer. Pay 90K. Nuclear engineer, number two, 98K. Pharmaceutical sciences, these are degrees that you can get, $100,000 a year. Genetics, $85,000 a year. And electrical engineering at $99,000 a year. And the unemployment rate of those are under 3%. Most of them are in the 1% to 2% range unemployment rate. The worst, the worst, the worst paying. Fine arts, thirty-seven thousand. Um, 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 uh, composition, literature, thirty-seven thousand. Visual performing arts, thirty-two thousand. Drama, thirty-five thousand. And their unemployment rate ranges by, by oh four to a little over five percent. Do you know how many degrees are available out there? They counted them. There's 162 different degrees in the major universities, accredited universities out there. 162 different degrees. So when your when your child or your grandchild or your niece or nephew say, "Well, what should I go into?" Tell them to stay away from the soft arts, fine arts, and drama, and performing arts, and literature, and composition, because those don't pay very well, and there's a higher unemployment rate. And it's amazing. They don't play very well, and there's a high unemployment rate. So go into something. If you want to really do well, engineering is really good. Healthcare is good, too. Yeah. Pharmaceutical sciences, genetics. Yeah. Okay, let's keep things moving. Here comes another question from our anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART. Uh, hey, Stephen, Justin, question about emergency fund and where to keep it. Traditionally, my wife and I keep our emergency fund in a high-yield savings account. That's currently at about 2.3%, the interest rate that it's yielding. But I was speaking to a buddy of mine who was saying that they have recently transferred their about half their emergency savings fund to municipal bonds in their state. He was saying that they'll yield about 4 to 5%. I mean, they're not FDIC insured, so they're slightly riskier, but really they're not any uh, riskier, really. I mean, the point is they're very, very, very low risk, and they can be liquefied easily, you know, if an emergency occurred. He also mentioned something about they're kind of double tax exempt if you buy them in your state. Uh, I couldn't really get any more details on that. So I wanted to get your opinion about putting maybe half of one's emergency savings fund, uh, if not the whole thing, in municipal bonds rather than a high-yield savings account. And then if you want to spend another moment on it, if you would tell me what they meant by the double tax exempt if you bought them in your state. Thanks, guys. Great podcast. Okay. We'll talk about the, 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 the tax issues first. If you buy a municipal bond or a state bond or a county bond, it is double tax-free. What's double tax-free is a yield. So whatever they pay you, if they pay you 4%, you don't have to pay any state income tax or federal income tax. And that's what they mean by double, state and federal. You don't pay state income tax on that money or federal income tax on that money if you buy a state bond. Or a federal bond, or a uh, municipal bond, or a county bond. Okay, now as far as emergency money is concerned, they are liquid. 
generally speaking, make sure that your the whatever you're buying is a liquid bond because there's different types of state and county and municipal bonds, and some are not as liquid as others, but they are generally pretty liquid. And they are, you're correct; they are very safe. Not absolutely safe. Treasury bonds are pretty much the only absolutely safe bond out there, but they're very safe. Now, as far as liquefying them and getting your money out, try to remember that the value of the bonds go up and down depending on interest rates. If interest rates rise, the value of the bonds go down. If interest rates go down, the value of the bonds you own will go up. So when you want to sell them, you could get less or more money than you put into them, depending on the direction of interest rate interest rates. So don't think that, oh, gee, I can get 4%, but what if they go down in value 4% and you have to liquefy it? You have to liquidate it. You have to sell it. Well, you didn't make anything. So be aware that it's not like a savings account where you have the money and you're guaranteed that return. Bonds go up and down in value. If you buy a bond at par, it will go back to par. If you buy a $10,000 bond at initial issuance, it'll go. you'll get your interest all the length of time you hold it, and you'll get $10,000. But what if interest rates, let's say it's a five-year bond, and in between, interest rates move up and down, right? They always do. And let's say the interest rates go up. Then the value of your bond, if you have to sell it before it matures, you will get less than $10,000 less than par, okay? Try to understand how they work before you get to, into them, okay? I'm, CP, I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. So obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experience. You know, that's what we're here for. I encourage you to consider subscribing to our KPP Premium Newsletter, written and distributed every Friday. In the newsletter, you'll get valuable information such as the week's market analysis, portfolio management guidance, stock ideas. And each Friday on Invest Talk, I share highlights of that KPP premium newsletter that I just sent out in the morning. You can subscribe anytime you want at investtalk.com. You can cancel anytime you want. Okay, so it's not anything you have to have. And you get once, it comes out every Friday. I work on it and come up with one every Friday. And now I'm ready to take your questions, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and in just two days, this Thursday, Justin will be welcoming a returning guest expert to talk about real estate. His name is Chevy Ackeson, and Chevy is a leading real estate professional. He has also served in the capacity of investor, advisor, and agent. Chevy flips properties, and he's helped a number of investors grow their long and short-term rental portfolios. So get your questions ready. Chevy Ackeson will be here Thursday. And now Steve Feasley is here taking your calls and questions live. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Caleb from South Carolina. I had a question about Doc Malibu Boat, M-B-U-U. I've owned it for a while now, and it seems to be just going straight downhill. But their earnings seem to be going up, so I was wondering what your guys' take on the on the stock was, whether it's a hold and uh, just wait for it to turn around and maybe buy more since it's, it's down low right now, or uh, if it's just kind of going to keep running down low. I look forward to hearing your answer. Thank you. Okay, Malibu Boats, Inc., uh, they are a $533 million company, so it's a very small company, and that's probably one of the things you're facing, faced with when it moves, because it's going to be pretty volatile on you. 
They're going to make $3.63 a share this year, and it's a $25 stock. That means it's an 8 PE, everybody. Next year, they're going to make $4.01. Okay, that means it's going to be a less than 7 PE. Five-year range of the PE is 7 to 23. Return on equity is very high at 62%. They have some debt, but nothing that they can't handle. Cash flow is $3.41. Management owns 2%. Uh, mutual funds have been steady for oh, pretty much the whole year, about 339 of them holding. Sales growth, last quarter is 42%. The quarter before that's 45, the quarter before that's 19, the quarter before that's 85, the quarter before that's 82. So obviously, you know, they manufacture performance sport boats used for water sports as well as general recreational boating. So, you know. <laughs> You would think that I, the numbers look very impressive, and there's I don't know why the stock has fallen from $54 all the way down to $25. I, I, at this point, if I own that stock, I would hold on to it. I don't know if I'd add to it, but I certainly would hold on to it because it looks like it's oversold. It looks like fear has driven this stock down, not fundamentals of the company. Fear of an economic slowdown. That's what it looks like. Uh, and maybe that's already built into the price. I don't. I just don't think I'd sell it at this point. I think I'd hold on to it. The numbers look pretty impressive. Doesn't pay a dividend, but you know it's still growing very fast. So I'd probably, I'd probably hold on to it. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Okay, Case Shiller report came out. The Case Shiller home sales report the home price report and this is a you know this is a look at 20 cities and the price of houses in those 20 cities and year over year they were up 2.1 percent now last month they were up 2.4 percent year over year and they've been you know the high point of this uh was about six percent okay growth like from 2000 to 2018, 2015 to 2018, that three-year period, it averaged about 5 to 6% price increase year over year every month. Now, it's slowed down every for the last, you know, since then, and last, I don't know, what, year plus. And what that's telling you is a, the value is still going up on these properties, but going up much less, much at a, low, at a slower pace. Okay, slower pace. That's what that's telling you. Okay, um, so this is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have only one goal here: that's to help you achieve financial freedom. You know that we talk about it every day, and of course, the work will continue after this break. So get your questions in now at eight 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 ninety nine chart. On the next Invest Talk, with a system as complex as Social Security, it can be hard to distinguish between truth and fiction. The Seven Dangerous Myths. That story tomorrow. But now Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Usher in New Jersey. How you doing, Usher? Hi, Steve. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing very good. Thank you for the call. Um, sure. 
So, um, I'm a, you know, great fan of the show. Um, today I'm calling about, um, you know, I'm a growth investor and calling about this, this stock that I have a long position in. It's Cigna. It's a health insurance company. I, mm-hmm. and, um, yes. I'm, you know, I, I bought it and I've been, so far I'm down about 13% on this stock. So my question is, what do you mm-hmm. think about this? Fundamentals look good to me, but uh, do you see any, any reversal on the price? Um, should I, uh, you know, should I maybe just take my losses and maybe, you know, uh, invest a little in the, you know, in the, in gold and try to be a little defensive, uh, with, you know, uh-huh, with the market uh-huh. trend being down nowadays. So yeah, what do you, what do you think? And, uh, what should be the strategy going forward? You know, that's all. Thanks for oh, Okay. This is, this is Cigna Corporation, everybody. A very large company, 35, 36 billion dollar market cap. Provides managed healthcare services through uh, uh, through HMO, PPOs, and and indemnity plans to over 3.6 million customers. So, so it's a healthcare company, and the fundamentals. You're right, uh, sure that the fundamentals look very, very good. They're going to make $16.80 this year per share, then $18.71 next year. That's the estimates, and it's $146 stock. So you know it's about a what a seven PE based on next year's earnings, and the five-year range is 10 to 20, and seven is really low. Return equity is okay at 13%, it's not bad, hardly, too, not too much debt. Sales have been growing very sharply. Fundamentally, this stock looks pretty strong. So from a fundamental point of view, Usher, I'd probably hold on to it. It looks like it's trying to get, come to another a triple bottom here, right around 145 or so. Remember, it's at 146. I'm not sure why it's getting beat up uh, other than the fear of us slumping into an economic recession or something. Maybe that's why. But fundamentally, one of my questions is, is is it exposed to the the opioid problem? I wonder if they are. In other words, have they been sued because they got people hooked on painkillers or something uh, because that, that, that reason why I ask is it was down sharply today and that's the only news that came out that might affect the healthcare industry um, um, so uh, frankly I probably just hold on to it because for the long haul I think this is going to come back because it's just too strong it's a big company Anyways, that's what I would do. I don't. I wouldn't add necessarily. I want to see strength come back into it before you, you know, consider that. But I don't know. I don't think I just sell it at this at this stage. Uber completes a 1.5 billion rides per quarter. Okay, 1.5 billion rides per quarter by Uber. But Uber's losing money. Okay, they need to become more profitable. That's for sure which is not easy. Both Uber and Lyft are, are trading below their IPO share prices. Remember, they were all excited about a few months ago. Oh, come on, IPO, yeah. Well, they're now trading below their IPO prices because they don't make money. What have I always said, people? You buy companies that make money. Now, there is a new report that alleges both Uber and Lyft are keeping a much greater slice of the fair revenue than they said they were, far larger than... They publicly report that they do. The allegations are based on data collected and analyzed from the receipts of 14,000 drivers. If accurate, the sample, while small, showed that Uber keeps 35% of fare revenue. 
instead of the claimed 21% of the fair revenue, and Lyft holds 38% instead of 26% that it said it did. So they're keeping a lot more money and not giving it to them to the drivers, at least in this little sampling. If that's true, without throughout all the all the 1.5 billion rides for Uber in a quarter, if that's true, do they owe drivers more money? And if that's true, and they owe more money to the drivers, how are they ever going to get profitable? How are they going to make money? Make money. Gotta stay tuned for this story, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. I'll be back tomorrow. But on Thursday, I will be in San Jose conducting my complimentary portfolio reviews. And I think there's still one slot open early, 9, 9.30, I think it is. Learn more and register now at InvestTalk.com. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.